months ago, I shared a post about guilt, like the guilt that you can feel. Even when the person that you're with, you know, they don't do anything to make you feel like a burden. But like, I feel so bad in the morning because my CGM would be blaring all night long. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Oh, hi. Welcome back, everybody. My name is Walt Drennan, and you're listening to Ask Me About My Type 1, the Q&A show all about type 1 diabetes. Welcome back, type 1s and nuns. It's married with type 1 week on Ask Me About My Type 1, and since I'm still trying to figure out the whole dating app thing amidst this pandemic end times we all happen to be in the middle of, I thought I'd bring on a couple who have been navigating type 1 together to tell us what that's been like for them. Because working in a relationship with your type 1 is hard enough, but what happens when you're trying to build a relationship with someone new while also bringing them up to speed on the type 1 of it all? And to help give us a few hints on how to figure that out for ourselves, this week, I have on guests Lexi and her type nun husband, DeAndre. Some of you might remember Lexi from last season when she was on the podcast to tell us about her website, The Sugarless Society. But this time around, the three of us talk about Lexi and DeAndre's experiences with learning to live with Lexi's type 1 together. It's something they've been doing regularly on Lexi's social media, which we'll get into on this episode, along with a few updates on the big things happening with the Sugarless Society. Thanks again so much for tuning in. Now, here's the episode. Okay, thank you both for coming on today. Lexi, welcome back, because you were on earlier this year. Thanks so much for coming back. And DeAndre, thank you for joining her in this full episode with Lexi. And uh, I'm really happy to talk to you guys. Thank you for coming. Thank you so much for having us. All right, so let's start with introductions. The way they work on this show is type 1s go first, because that's how numbers work. So Lexi, uh, everybody knows you from the end of last season, but tell us again who you are, where you're at in life, and also a little bit about your diagnosis story. Okay, Uh, so quick summary. My name is Lexi Peterson. I have been a type 1 diabetic for 15 years now, and it has been a roller coaster. So from a child diabetic, you know, having your parents and your doctors and everybody kind of around to help you monitor things, you know, going through high school where I really wasn't taking much care of myself the way I should have. And then college when I had this great epiphany of, you know what, I want to start taking care of myself to now in adulthood, kind of seeing some of the effects, the later effects of me not taking the best care of myself. And seeing that even the things that I learned as a child, the things that the doctors told me were not actually the best things for me to be doing. And so, you know, now it's just a journey of trial and error. And I'm now married and have my wonderful husband who is amazing at helping me through this complicated and frustrating (laughs) journey. So I also have a business called the Sugarless Society, which pretty much came about Around the time that I decided to really start speaking on my diabetes and just sharing my journey on social media, particularly Instagram, um, it started off, it was first called Lumed Boutique, and I just had bracelets that I was selling, creating and selling. And now it's kind of evolved into, you know, I still have apparel, which I also use to give back to an organization called the Sonia Nabita Foundation which provides uh, medical supplies and diabetes education for type 1 diabetics in Africa, children, type 1 diabetic children. 
but you know I've also expanded to now having recipes and we have a Facebook group um you know where just some of the ladies kind of connect and just a blog like just pretty much every, it's really just growing to be this resource for other women and not even just women I mean men also have messaged me and told me that some of my information was useful as well but that's pretty much where we are now so yeah I remember last time you spoke about wanting to do all that stuff wanting to include recipes and making more of a network out of it. And that's great to hear that it's working out that way. I and mean, it wasn't even that long ago that we spoke. So it's great that it's taking off so well. Now, DeAndre, tell me about yourself, where you are in life, what you're doing. And then also, if you can remember how you met uh, Lexi's type one, what was that like? And if you can like remember, pinpoint when that was and like what your initial thoughts about that were. Okay, um, I'm DeAndre Peterson from Montgomery, Alabama. I'm currently active. I'm in the military. I can only know if I can remember the actual dialogue or the interaction when she told me that she had type 1 diabetes. But I remember what I said. I said I wasn't scared. It doesn't scare me. I was up for whatever challenge came with me. It didn't stray me away. What else? I'm heading out of South Korea in a couple of days. Why? <laughs> yeah, because I'm going on a tour. I'm going on a mission tour. Thought where my headspace is, well, I'm at mentally and physically. So. Okay. And then do you remember like the questions that you had or did you have questions or how did Lexi present it to you? How did you learn about Lexi's type one over these past like years that you've known her? Just seeing her interact with diabetes and the things that she did, like changing the insulin pump or pricking her finger or, you know what I'm saying? She'll say in the midst of us doing something or being at an event, she'll say I got a low blood sugar. So that'll instantly strike my attention then. And she'll do whatever necessary to bring her blood sugar up. So there's, there's things like that, like in the moment. That's why I learned more about the diabetes. Okay, yes. So being there for her in those moments and making sure that she's all right. Yeah, that's pretty common, but that's great. So the reason why I wanted to have you on today, or both of you today, was because of your, you recently got married? Or when, how far, how long ago was that? A year and what, two months? Mm-hmm. So relatively new. And it's something mm-hmm. that I've noticed you talk about on Instagram, navigating marriage with type one. And I w- wanted to hear your guys' perspective on that. So I guess, DeAndre, we can start with you. What has that, I guess, I don't know if you two have been married before, but it's kind of hard to compare it to anything else. But, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh, is there anything unique, or I guess maybe you, ha- you have uh, married friends or like, you know, other couples that you know, is there anything distinct that you noticed with your relationship with Lexi and her type one that's kind of different from other people's marriage or anything or marriage that you know of? I mean, just the the high blood sugar and the low blood sugar, that'll be the only difference as far as any other marriage that I've seen. No no other wife had stopped doing anything because they got a low blood sugar, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, that, that's the only difference that I see as far as a regular, if you put it in quotations, a regular marriage. What about the fear or the worry that you have that another husband may not have. I mean, yeah, that, that comes with the, well, the, the fear that I have comes with the high blood sugar and low blood sugar. They probably won't ever be in the position that I'm in dealing with the high blood sugar or low blood sugar because you have to uh, react off impulse and take what you've learned this entire duration of the relationship and put it in effect in a split second. So, yeah, this, this tends to be mind-blowing at times, but. Are there any like instances of that happening that you can remember or that have like stick out in your head? Yeah. Our, our yeah, honeymoon. Our honeymoon. <laughs> oh wow! I put him on the spot on accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it 
was our honeymoon um, in Cosmo, Mexico. We uh, had with an all-you-could-drink. We had like an all-inclusive resort day pass or yeah. something. And, you know, I had one too many rum and diet Cokes. <laughs> I yeah. mean, and we were in the... We were in the we were in the water or something, yeah. and at the time I had a Dexcom, so you know we he was used to being it just looking at his phone or looking at my watch to see what my blood sugar was, and my Dexcom came off, and so you know I like ended up getting I was really drunk I think right after it came off, and so he had no idea like okay is she acting like this because her blood sugar is low or high or is it because of the alcohol and he. You know, he did a really good job managing. He told me he was, like, really freaking out mentally, but he did a good job getting us back to, because we did a cruise. We did a, a seven-day cruise. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he had to get us back to the cruise ship. Like, he, did you carry? No, you didn't carry me. I did. You did carry me? I carried her back oh. to the boat. We got to the boat, and she uh, just passed out. So I didn't, I didn't know. pass out. Okay. She she wasn't aware of what, she was going, what was going on. Um, And I didn't know where any of her uh, diabetes supplies was, so I completely lost it. I couldn't prick her finger. I couldn't check her um, blood sugars, so I lost it. Man, I got a wheelchair, took it down to the <laughs> to the bottom of the boat. Where the ER? Where the ER was, <laughs> and they charged us too much just to check her blood sugar. But, yeah, that that was a, yeah, that was a scarce moment, man. It was really, really scary. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that would be, because you're on a boat. Like, what are you going to do? I, I didn't even, exactly. I've never been on a cruise. I, I didn't realize they had an ER on there, but I guess they, that makes sense that they would, but that, that would be very scary, especially like you're in a foreign country. I mean, the boat obviously yeah. is American, but other than that, you're kind of like on your own, almost literally. Mm-hmm. And the person that knows what to do can't tell you what to do because of their condition. So yeah, I can imagine again, like coming from the type one perspective, like, oh, I get that kind of thing. It's so it's not as terrifying i guess just because i know what it feels like and i know how that goes but it is interesting hearing it from the other side so like the type one especially like your significant other like the person that's supposed to take care of you in those cases when they don't really and they don't have the tools like you were saying like you can find her her stuff and it's your honeymoon so that's yeah Yeah. (laughs) just challenge on top of challenge very very uh very impressive that you got through it good job (laughs) (laughs) you made it you passed (laughs) <laughs> How did that end up working out? Did they give you anything or did they just tell you, it was like, oh, she's low? So um, they checked. My, my blood sugar was fine. Yeah, I think, blood right? sugar was fine. Absolutely yeah. fine. But I was just freaking out for no apparent he just, But it was just because, you know, he didn't know. I didn't know. <laughs> and it turned out, I mean, I had all of my, um, you know, since we were going to the little resort that was like, I don't know, three miles away from the boat, mm-hmm. all I had was my Dexcom and my my pump on me like I didn't usually I'll bring like extra te- you know a glucometer and test strips I'll bring that whole thing but I was like oh there's no need and I left it like in my purse on the side of the bed in the room but you know he was just in the room like just freaking out like he didn't see it and it was like over <laughs> but I was just I was very uh in that moment or after that moment when I sobered up I realized like you know what I definitely know that this man can take care of me because I know he can take care of me in every other way. But, you know, as diabetics, like we're used to doing everything for so long. Like we almost don't even allow other people to really have much input. So it was comforting to know that he could handle a situation like that. Yeah, that idea of being a burden, I think, is really strong. 
in type ones, but like anybody with like a chronic illness that requires a lot of management, you don't want to put that on other people because like we know how, you know, annoying and frustrating and just like difficult it is to deal with our type one. So I think we're afraid to put it onto anybody else. And so there, there can be that tendency to like, just take it all on yourself. And I guess it's good and bad. Like, you know, it's good because like we, you know, we're independent, we can take care of ourselves, but it's, it also puts other people in weird situations when they don't know what to do when things go wrong. It's a really weird balance to figure out. And I guess like, I guess that's the next question. How have you been figuring that out? The two of you together, Lexi, are there any things that you like let DeAndre in on or is there, how do you like manage your type one with him or do, how do you include him or do you include him? Like, what has that been like over the past year and a half? Or I guess your so entire relationship, not just your marriage. Yeah, our entire relationship. I feel like I kind of just give you random little quizzes, just like out of nowhere. Like, okay, babe, if my blood sugar is low, what do you do? And what do I need if my blood sugar is low? Oh, sugar. Okay, what do I need if my blood sugar is high? You need insulin. Okay, and then how do you know how much insulin to give me? I type it into the little system thing. <laughs> and we type what into it? The, uh, your blood sugar. And then... Do the little sister thing and tell me how many units you need. Okay, good job. So, yeah, so I'll do stuff like that or I'll just let him do it. Like, I'll give him, you know, my pump. Or prior to that, I had the end pin, the smart pin. So the phone app, you know, you just type the carbs in, you type your blood sugar in, and then it'll tell you how much to give. And then, like, worst case, because, you know, I feel like a huge misconception in the diabetes community or of the public for the diabetes community or diabetics, is that if we pass out, we need a glucagon. And that's not always the case because sometimes we could pass out from a high blood sugar. And so, you know, I had to, because I was so used to just telling people like at work and at school, if I pass out, this is my emergency kit, you know, and I'd show them how to use it. But now he knows, you know, obviously depending on what my blood sugar is, do or don't. So that's pretty much what it's been. It's just been like, examples or you know allowing him to do calculations or he'll ask me questions like questions that I'm you know I really wouldn't even expect him to ask like okay so how many how many units did you get for that or you know like he'll just guess like okay so what is that like five units I'm like wow look at you you know so that's kind of how the journeys went I think probably year our first year dating he really didn't say much he would wake up with me if I had low blood sugars he'd stay up the whole time because he was scared like you know something would happen and now that he's used to it it's like your blood sugars are you eating something okay <laughs> go back to sleep mm-hmm. it was it was tough it was tough the first year was tough. that's why I observed a lot more before I started asking questions or engaging in um, her everyday activities concerning diabetes but after that first year yeah I, I kind of um, took the lid off man and Dove in head first, pretty much, asking all the questions I need. Everything that was questionable, asking question about, and I got answers for it. So I'm still learning, like still learning new stuff. So yeah, that I think that's a another misconception. It's more just like a general misconception. Like people think the longer you do something and the longer you have something, like the better you are at taking care of it. Like I've had my type one for 20 years. I I'm pretty good. Like I I can handle it. You know very well i think but like at the same time like you're still learning every day and type one i think itself changes over the course of you know a lifetime um i'm sure it's changed yours has changed you know since high school college you know you know now and so like that's an idea that you don't 
it's it's incorrect essentially like the the whole 10,000 hours phenomenon like if you do something for 10,000 hours you're automatically a master at it but for type 1 10,000 hours is like a year and you know I've had it for 20 exactly. and I don't know everything about it and like DeAndre is saying like he's learning every day still and I mean it's like it's a lifelong lesson that you have to learn and it's interesting to hear it from the side where like it's not your type 1 you're learning about somebody else's and you don't have any of those like physical cues like I know what a high feels because I know what it feels like and I know what a low feels like I know what like you know being at 400 for a week feels like but like other people don't and so it's very it's hard to like communicate that to people in a way that they understand it because you can't tell somebody what a high feels like because my highs feel different than yours Lexi and that even can be really confusing DeAndre, do you remember any of the questions or like any questions that gave you got you like really interesting answers? Um, the fact that she can take an edible item and diagnose how many carbs it is, it blew my mind. Like, oh, that's about seven carbs. But like, how? Like, you know what I'm saying? But the fact that she's done it for so long, it makes sense. But that that's that's about it though. Like, when she do that, I want to get to that point where like, okay, so like, if, if I get this for her, she'll have this many, this, this many carbs. So she need this many units. For this many calls, you know, so I want to get to that level. So I'm still learning. But yeah, that's the only thing that's, it blows my mind. It really does. <laughs> yeah, that is, it's definitely something that comes with practice. Like, I don't even do the carbs anymore. I just look at a plate of food and it's like, oh, that's like five units, three units, two units. Yeah. Oh, wow. I just skip the carbs because the carbs are kind of like irrelevant. It's just like, for me, at least, the units are more important. So like, I can look at a plate of food or like, you know, a cup of like a, I get lattes a lot. Um, And so like, oh, that's a. It's a medium that's about, you know, 30 or uh, or 50 rather. And then I know how much that is. So like I, I've been able to do that. But again, I've had this for 20 years. So it's like very easy for me to like make those connections. But that is like, that is a really interesting goal. And it's a good goal to have because it is helpful, I think, especially when we're in situations where we don't know what's going on or we don't have like a menu in front of us and we can't look it up. That's helpful to have somebody else that knows how to do these things. Like, oh, this is like a, a two, a two unit plate. You can have this. So yeah, that's a funny observation that you had now Lexi in terms of like your online presence and then kind of talking about your marriage there have you gotten questions from people or have you gotten advice from other people that have been married like you know a spouse that doesn't have type one have you gotten any help like navigating that from people so I've we've gotten tons of questions from diabetics and we've gotten um, lots of really great marital just general marital advice from our parents and like we have a lot of you know older friends who are in their 40s and stuff like that we tend to uh, you know draw older people I don't, not old but you know what I mean so you know we have people who have been married for you know decades and they can give like really great insight but as far as like questions on social media or even concerns like the main thing the main I guess thing that I hear from people is I'm scared to tell, you know, my significant other or the guy that, I'm, that I have diabetes or how do you tell somebody or when do you tell somebody? I don't want to scare them away. And, you know, I've done a few like Q&As and for Pete, for DeAndre to answer people's questions. And usually that's kind of what people are. People's biggest concern is thinking that, again, that whole burden thing, like they're going to think I'm a burden and they're going to not want anything to do with me. And I actually was at that point at one time, I was, I guess, somewhat dating somebody years ago. And he pretty much told me he 
couldn't be in a relationship with me because I had diabetes. And I didn't understand. That was pretty much like all he said. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, like nobody's going to want to be with me because I have diabetes. And I was just so just hurt. And um, later on, I found out that, you know, it was because he had like chronic illnesses and like, it was just, if we would have been in a relationship, we probably would have been like living in a hospital every day almost. So it kind of made sense. But at the time I felt like my diabetes made me unattractive to people. And so then, you know, DeAndre has been out of, you know, the relationship that I've had, obviously we're married. So, but he's been the most willing to learn and actually interested to learn and not just, you know, okay, she can take care of herself type of person. He wants to be able to take care of me or to help me with things. And like, not once, actually, I asked him before, like, were you ever concerned about having diabetic kids? He's like, no, it actually never even crossed my mind. Like, it was just never a thing for him. And so, um, yeah, that's, that's kind of the bit, like I said, the biggest thing on social media is just people are concerned about what somebody else would think about their diabetes. Yeah, that is a big concern, especially when to tell people, because like, I feel like there's that and that you don't want to scare them off too soon, like, or you want them to get to know yeah. you outside of the type one before they, I guess they have a reason to stick around as opposed to just like, you know, writing you off off the bat. And then uh, DeAndre, for people that ask that question, or like, what kind of questions have people asked you as the person that doesn't have type one in the relationship? So that, as the type none, are there a lot of questions that you get specifically? Or what have you noticed? as you've been, like, taking these Q&As? So I just use my work, for example, just, like, on a normal day at work or whatever. Um, when she had, what was it, Dexcom? And I get the alerts. Mm-hmm. So when she, I have my phone on loud all the time. So when I'm at work or information and the Dexcom alert comes, comes up or whatever, <clears throat> like, what, what was that? Then I got to explain. I'm like, hey, yeah, this is my wife. Uh, she's a type 1 diabetic. Like, then I go into, what is a type 1 diabetic? You know, so it feels good to know, have, know these uh, information in order to share it to other, which I call them non, non-type, type nuns. <laughs> type nuns. Yeah, it's yeah. good. That's, that's what I call yeah, them. So yeah, so it, it, it's good to have the information to answer all those questions that they do often and they ask. So they just ask, like, is it certain things that she can't eat? If you do eat these certain things, then what happens? What does diabetes, what, what does having diabetes actually mean? Certain questions like that. And then for the um, the Q&A that she has me on with the questions that they do ask about when it's the right time to tell your spouse or the person that you're dating that you have type 1 diabetes. For those answers, what I told them, uh, what I told it, it said is, from the beginning. Yeah, from the, tell them right from the beginning because at the end of the day, whether you tell them now or later, it's still going to affect them the exact same way regardless. So if you tell them and be up front with them the first time, they not, they not I, don't, I don't think it's a problem. If they're not man enough or woman enough to take it on, then it is what it is. To me, that's the way I think. I feel like her diabetes is nothing. It's it's not who she is. It's just a condition that she has. You know what I'm saying? So it don't it didn't straight me away. So if you have the same mindset or a similar mindset to what I have, it shouldn't straight you away. But she was like, I'm so blunt <laughs> when I answer my questions. Yeah, that is that is like perfect advice, really, because. The sooner you can tell them, the better, obviously. You're always going to have type 1. It's not going to change. I think it kind of builds it up. The longer you wait, it makes it seem worse than it actually is. And like you know, DeAndre said, if they can't handle that, then they're not worth your time, basically. 
but I did, I actually, I had a relationship coach on a couple seasons back and she had the exact same advice. Like the sooner you can tell someone the better, because again, it's not going to change. You're always going to have type one. It's not going away. So like the sooner you can tell, let somebody know and like assess if they're worth like spending time in, investing time in, then, you know, the better off you both are. But she also said that even if you do take a while to tell them, like you can tell them why it took you so long. People don't understand why a person would keep that for however long, like a couple months, two months, three months. And it is scary. Those feelings are, they're valid. Like it is scary to like want to be with somebody, but being afraid that they're not going to accept you for a condition that you can't do anything about. I definitely in the camp of telling people as soon as possible, but also if it does take you a while, letting them know why it took you so long. Context is really important. Like it wasn't intentional. Right. Yeah. Or malicious. Or yeah. trying to keep them, like hide anything from them. But it was like just a genuine fear mm-hmm. of not being accepted, which, you know, I think everybody has at some point for reasons. Exactly. Uh, for one reason or another. And how have those Q&As been going? Have people mentioned them or like, or do you get really great questions or interesting questions? The newest, most recent, like interesting question I think that we got we were, I was on a live IG live with glucose gang, Mike, and the topic came up about sex with diabetes. And I don't know if we're able to talk about this on your podcast. It's an adult show. Yeah. Okay, cool. So the biggest thing, like, cause nobody really taught, I mean, sex is kind of still, even in this day and age, somewhat of a taboo thing. Like people don't really like to talk about it. I don't particularly like to just share my sex life. However, I do know that this is all obviously new for both of us. So like when I had the T-Slim insulin pump, for instance, like I have the Omnipod now. He loves my Omnipod because we don't have tubing getting in the way. Even just, I mean, sleeping in the same bed together, there were times when I'd wake up and my pump is like under his back and I'm, you know, my tube is almost being pulled out or my cannula. So like stuff like that or, you know, low blood sugars. Oh my gosh, I've had a low blood sugar during sex too many times to count and I know like the first time it definitely kind of freaked him out and after that you know it just kind of got to the point where I'm eating a fruit snack and in while we're still in action you know like keep it going I can eat this fruit snack let me drink this juice box you know like and again having a CGM of course being able to just like look at my apple watch in the midst of things and kind of see okay I'm trending down or I'm good you know because with sex, definitely there's times when you can plan ahead, but there's also many times when, you know, you're not expecting it. So you can't just be like, oh, hold on. Let me go pre, pre-treat. pre Let me go eat really quick. So yeah, in the heat of the moment. And he has talked about, you know, of course, how frustrating it can be for him as well. Whenever, I mean, there has been times when my blood sugar got super low to where like, okay, we literally have to stop. I got to go get some juice. And he wouldn't tell me that he was frustrated, but like, Later on, if I asked him about it, it's like, yeah, that was frustrating, you know, whatever. So that's definitely a huge, I think probably, that's probably the main challenge that I think other couples, type none couples don't have. If they have interruptions during sex, it's, I don't even know, an alarm going off or something, kid crying. (laughs) A lot fewer interruptions, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that is a like you said, it sex and type one are it's something that we all do, but it's not something that is openly talked about or it is talked about, but like it's very it's like, you know, behind closed doors. It's also kind of an embarrassing question to ask. Like it's not an easy question to ask, yeah. especially to your doctors. Like doctors are probably very aware of that, but you're not gonna ask your doctor about it, especially your endocrinologist who you have to see 
you know, yeah. <laughs> three or four times a year. It's an important question to ask, I think, and it deserves answers, but, you know, they're hard to get. Like, kind of like how you're saying, it's just basically you kind of have to figure it out for your, you know, couple relationship because the answer is that there's, it's not a one size fits all answer. Exactly. And yeah, and you just kind of have to figure out what you do in those situations and understand that they may happen and that it's okay. It's not the end of the world. If, if your partner makes a big deal out of it or it's like a bigger deal than it should be for them, then, you know, they're probably not worth your time. But that's like a really hard conversation to have with anybody. So yeah, again, it's a very like middle of the road approach to it. It's difficult, but it also doesn't have to be as difficult as I think we make it out to be. Yeah. And then how is your how have your marriage posts specifically on your Instagram page been going? Do they like generate a lot of conversation or like are there certain posts that generate more conversation than others, do you think? Or any topics that people are particularly interested in? So I think probably like the people like very deep feelings and intimate details, not even not sexual, but you know, like really personal um, feelings in Although I've, you know, I've always been really open on my Instagram about my diabetes, you know, I still kind of kept certain things to myself. And so, um, for instance, recently, I think a couple months ago, I shared a post about guilt, like the guilt that you can feel, even when the person that you're with doesn't make, you know, they don't do anything to make you feel like a burden. But like, my husband now gets up at two o'clock in the morning to be to work at three o'clock in the morning for PT for physical training. Is that what it's going to be? And then, you know, he's out all day in the sun. And then there's times that they work 24 hours, you know, as a soldier, like they have these crazy schedules. And when my blood sugars are high or low, or, you know, how we have these roller coaster nights sometimes, I feel so bad in the morning because my CGM or my old CGM, my Dexcom would like be blaring all night long. And I'm like, Oh my gosh. I can't turn it out, you know, like he's not going to be able to get any sleep. And it, it was just horrible. So anyway, that's pretty much what kind of led me to go ahead and post that. But there's just so many other things that kind of came along with it. For instance, like we're I have PCOS and I finally shared that and got a lot of very just supportive comments and different people who didn't know that there was a connection between type 1 diabetes and PCOS. But just something like that, you know, for a while, I was just so down on myself because we have been trying to conceive. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, I know he really wants to be a dad. And I feel so guilty because I feel like it's my fault that he doesn't have kids yet. You know, that type of thing. And so um, I feel like when I share like very intimate things, cause, you know, people really don't like to talk about that kind of stuff. And it is hard. It definitely is hard to post it. But. I think what really helped me is realizing, especially when I spoke about the PCOS, a lot of people learned from it. Like so many people DM'd me and just said they had never even heard of PCOS or like, you know, they, I like, I had never, I had heard of PCOS, but my endocrinologist, my OB-GYN, nobody told me that there was a connection between insulin resistance and PCOS. And even a couple years ago when my endo told me, you know, even though I'm a type one diabetic, I'm developing some insulin resistance. So I'm like type one and type two. Nowhere in there did he ever say, and hey, this can cause PCOS. You can have fertility issues because like nowhere. So I'm just like, I feel like I went blindly down this road of doing what my doctors had told me to do. And I was, they still withheld. It felt like certain information. 
So, you know, sharing these open, intimate, tough things is hard, but it's, it's definitely worth it when I feel like I'm helping other people possibly avoid what I'm going through. Yeah, because had somebody else done that, you might have figured it out a little bit sooner, maybe. So yeah, that is that's exactly. a helpful social media in general. Like it gives like faces to these very real conditions or very real problems that people face, but oftentimes face by themselves because they they're afraid of being misjudged, like judged for it, or just maybe thinking that it's like less common than it actually is. <laughs> but to derail that, what is PCOS? I've never, I've actually never heard of that. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so PCOS is polycystic ovarian syndrome. So, uh, yeah, basically, I mean, there's a lot of symptoms that come along with it, but all in all, it's really just a hormonal imbalance based for people who are non-diabetic, but, well, non-diabetic and diabetic. But in my case, it's probably triggered from insulin resistance. Okay, yeah. that, that It's not something that you probably that comes up in like regular conversations so like to have those yeah. like specific posts or people like at least bringing awareness to it is really helpful because i'm sure you're not the only person that lives with it and type one so like knowing that there's other people like you out there would be really helpful and then uh deandre because of lexi's account have you learned anything from her having that account or have you noticed any changes in lexi from the account like having it because if you, you've known her for longer than the account has existed so have you noticed any changes in her has that helped her? Has it like improved her outlook on it maybe? Or like, have you noticed anything from that? I said the only things I've noticed is her, um, her eating habits, her diet has changed, her uh, fitness, she's more into fitness now. Well, she was into fitness then, but it's definitely increased now. Um, yeah, that's about it. Just her, her diet and her well-being as far as her physical body. Um, take care of her body more. She definitely has uh, elevated. That's interesting. Yeah, hey, she's really picked up. So my personality or nothing like that? No, she's still fine. She's still the same. <laughs> still the same. And, and have you learned anything from the posts uh, or from the account itself like that you didn't think to ask or didn't realize was going on maybe? Yeah, so I learned a lot from her account. Spiritual encouragement, whether it's her uh, just building up on the community of type 1 diabetes. Like, I love bragging about what she brings awareness to uh, the type 1 diabetic community. It really uh, inspires me, you know what I'm saying? And she don't know this, but it inspires me a lot to um, do more and do way more and reach out more and try to. But uh, she got a nurturing spirit. So, everything she does, she tries to uh, help the other person first or uh, make this certain person feel comfortable. With whatever they deal with, type thing, and I'm I'm the total opposite. I feel like if you can't deal with it, then you know what I'm saying, just give up. If, if you're not man enough to do it, you know what I'm saying, just quit or whatever. But she's that nurturing, easy. Yeah, you got it. Keep it going. Keep pushing. But yeah, so that, that that's what I I take from her account. It's a lot of encouragement, a lot of inspiration, and a lot of motivation. Definitely a lot. Yeah, and like you were saying earlier, how you like being able to teach people about type one given like when they start asking you like random questions like when your you know dexcom goes off um or your alarm goes off and that is really helpful one of the i guess one of the advantages of social media is that like, everybody can see it it's not just type ones mostly type ones see it because like you know that's who we follow random people will catch it or just like type nuns that are kind of like going down a weird rabbit hole find it and learn something and i think that's unique with type one because type one is is one of those things that like anybody can get at any time so like it's very the more 
general things that people can know about type one or like what it means to live with it, the better you never know if you get it or not, or you could get it in the future. I think it's something that you notice now with people that are being diagnosed in like the past few years. They're the first thing they do is go on social media nowadays. And then they're just kind of like flooded with all these type one accounts, which, you know, it can be overwhelming, but at the same time, it's also helpful knowing that there are so many people like you out there. So yeah, it's, it's a great aspect of the of both of your social media accounts. So that's really great that you can do that, Lexi. I guess we can talk more about the Sugarless Society So, and your live events. You mentioned one live event before, but what are those? And what have, what have you been trying to do with those? And like, what have they turned into? Because I've noticed a few of them since we... St- I think they started like shortly after we first spoke. You mean Instagram live? Right. Yeah. So you're live. Okay. I was like, I had an event. <laughs> okay. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I said. I said event, but I meant the Instagram lives. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, so like what gave you that idea and then how have those been going? So honestly, it kind of just, I feel like Instagram Live is an amazing way because, you know, obviously we all connect with each other on social media, you know, whether it's comments or DMs or whatever. But to have other people come on and just like how you do with your podcast, you know, you have, you can hear from other people's perspectives or have someone who's more of an expert in certain areas or even just topics in general. And, you know, as far as society today, like, you know, we had a lot of the racial tension in the air. You know, I had people of other ethnicities and other races and other nationalities come on and talk about experiences on their side of the ocean. But, you know, it's overall just getting a a bigger perspective. And really, I don't want the sugarless society to just be limited to, you know, the U.S. where I am. I that I really like having people abroad. I like having people that don't always look like me, because I feel like it just makes it more inclusive. Because somebody somebody may not relate to me. You know, I I may have nothing in common with somebody who likes my content or who learns something from my posts, but maybe they can relate to somebody who. I'm able to bring on and then, you know, through that channel, they find somebody that they can follow who they actually can relate to. So that's pretty much, you know, where that came from, the IG lives. And it's just a lot easier. I feel like you can get a lot more information out by talking than you can by typing and people reading because people don't like to read a whole lot. So I could make a long post and, you know, people will probably read like the first couple of sentences or we can talk and, you know, maybe they'll be willing to listen. But And uh, how's the Sugarless Society been going in the past few months since, like, again, we spoke earlier in the summer. Mm-hmm. And then what's been going on? Like, what are your plans for it? Like, what's how's it been going, too? Because I, I, I see it on Instagram all the time. So it, it sounds like it's going really well. And you have a lot of posts and content. So, like, what's what have you been doing? And how, like, where do you see it going from here? So I'm actually in the process of, doing a collaboration with Diabetes Organization. It's a nonprofit. Basically, they send diabetic children or they, you know, give scholarships to diabetic children to be able to attend camps, diabetes camps. That was my first experience. It's my best experience, honestly, ever in child my childhood. Better than Disney World was going to Camp Sweeney in the summer for, I think I was gone for two or three weeks. And, you know, the counselors took care of everything. We didn't, well, actually, I take that back. We did have to check our blood sugars. But we all, like, lined up (laughs) and 
all checked our blood sugars together. We didn't have to count carbs because our meals were like personalized for us. There were doctors on site. We didn't even have to. Did we take no? We did take our our own insulin, but we didn't have to draw the doses. We didn't have to do any calculations. We just had fun. So many activities: horseback riding, jet skis, like just everything you could think of. And to know that there is another organization out here because I was able to go from scholarships. I mean, it was a really expensive camp. And so I didn't even know, actually, that there were so many out there now, so many diabetes camps. So that's why this particular organization is so near and dear to me. Um, And I'm super excited to be working with them. And the founder, Antoinette, is such an amazing and genuine woman, very inspirational. But anyway, so that's, sorry, (laughs) I went down the rabbit hole, but that's what we're working on now. And really just continuing to be a resource for women. So I, when we last spoke, was really talking about like just the networking aspect. And, you know, I still definitely want to build or have some sort of network, but I'm, I think in my heart, I care more about being a resource for people, you know, providing things because people can connect in any platform, wherever they want to. And, um, you know, I just, I want to be able to allow other people, like I said, to come give insight, share helpful things. Of course, the recipes, like I mentioned earlier, which by the way, a lot of the low carb recipes that we think are great for us are not always great for us and can contribute to insulin resistance. So um, I'm, as I'm going through this PCOS journey, I'm actually going to dedicate a little portion of the Sugarless Society to other diabetic women who are struggling with PCOS and just, you know, trying to manage that. But anyway, so yeah, that's pretty much where I see the Sugarless Society going, you know, just really being a resource. And the women that do connect through the Sugarless Society, I would like for all of us to kind of be like-minded and all of us to be active in the diabetes community and pretty much just coming together to continue to spread awareness and help each other. Yeah. I have a a similar idea of type 1, 2. It is very diverse, and there are a lot of different ways that you can live with type 1, but you don't necessarily hear from all of those different stories. And it is like the more voices you can get out there, the better. Um, Just because everybody needs like their own inspiration. So like we can find it in different ways or like get tips and ideas from different places and like put them together in our own way. So the more stories and ideas and just perspectives that are out there, the better. So that's great. And it sounds like you're doing really well with that, especially with the IG lives. And then DeAndre, just a question I thought of just now, have you noticed any change? Like, I guess, you know, since you've known Lexi for a while now, have you made any changes to your or have has her type one affected you your life and like making any changes that you probably wouldn't have if Lexi didn't have type one? Yeah, definitely with food. Um, That's what I thought. Because I'm, I'm from, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm from the South, so I like a lot of greasy fried, you know what I'm saying? A lot, lot, of, lot of home cooked. Home cooked? I mean, okay, when I say home, <laughs> I'm talking about grandma's plates. So it's just a lot of grease, a lot of fattening, you know what I'm saying? A lot of sugar on that plate or in that plate. But yeah, I mean, it's a change, but it's a change for the better. I, I like it. Actually, it's not that bad. I do tend to have withdrawals every now and then, but for the most part, I look it's it's healthy. It's, it's still I'm eating healthier, so I mean, who who can complain to that or whatever? But yeah, I said that that's probably the only thing. You drink water. Yeah, I mean, okay, with well, my intake, whether it's liquid or uh, food, has changed. 
it's pretty good. It's, 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 it's for the body. Yeah, that is something that I hear a lot is the diet or like I just diet habits change and oftentimes for the better because, you know, type one, you don't necessarily have to do that. It just it just type one is easier if you eat healthier, which is just true of life. Like if you eat better, you have a better life. But yeah, that is oftentimes like it's a it's one of the first benefits that people mention is like so that's that's funny to hear, especially from the South, because that like Southern food is amazing but it's not always the best for you horrible for you. <laughs> which is sad to say because i lived in new orleans for a little bit and like all the food was great but like my type one didn't have the best time or it was harder to manage yeah. it and like navigate all the great food that i wanted to eat but like probably needed to hold back on but again it's moderation and you know figuring it out for yourself i also think just culturally and this is actually something that mike from lucas gang mike and i plan to do IG Live about in a little bit. But culturally, so, you know, being African-American, a lot of our cultural foods, whether it's Southern, because I'm from the South too, I'm from Texas, and we always have this debate because DeAndre does not consider Texas to be part of the South. But anyway, a lot of our food just culturally is, you know, not the best. And it's been really hard, you know, especially for, like you said, you know, your grandma's food, like, you know, when, when we go to family reunions, at least on my side of the family, I'm sure on your side of the family too, you know, it's all this amazing food. And then, you know, it's like, okay, I got to kind of, because I know I want a lot of banana pudding, but I know I also want a lot of those mashed potatoes. And like, you know, you got to kind of like pick and choose and then trying to like come back home and go back to, which we do. I mean, I think we do a good job of eating in moderation, you know. But still, it's like just what you grow up with or grow up around. And thankfully, I was diagnosed at such a young age. Like my mom really kind of started cooking in a better way for me when I was young. But still, you know, just being around everybody else's food and then growing up and it's like, dang. So now that I'm an adult and I have this freedom to eat the way that I want to eat, like I really can't or I can, but I shouldn't all the time. So it definitely is. does make it harder when all that you've ever really known or been taught was something that you really shouldn't do all the time. Yeah, like I this just you know now I need to know DeAndre, where do you consider Texas to be? Because I personally don't <laughs> think it's in the South either. No, it's it's Southwest. Southwest, it's yeah. Not, it's like because t- if you look at the compass, it's over here to the left. It's Southwest. So, it's t- yeah, it's like Tex Mex, yeah. South. Yeah, I, I lived in oh my gosh. I lived in Texas for a little bit, so yeah, so like, I f- I feel that. But anyways, <laughs> but uh, that's kind of something that I've always thought of too, because like, especially within the U.S., there's so many regions with their own cultural identities, especially food, like revolving food around food. And the South, particularly, is kind of like known for having really great tasting food, but also not having the best health, just kind of like in general. And then like you know, in the West Coast, like you know, it's a Again, great food, but like it tends to be healthier, or at least that's kind of the idea of it. And I've always wondered like what the differences are from like growing up in the South with type one as opposed to the North, as opposed to like the Midwest. And like, you know, and I feel like it's kind of like you guys kind of hit it on the head. The culture can make it, it makes it harder to take care of yourself. And again, like I'm, I'm guessing your recipes are, I don't know if you've tried to like, like help make Southern cooking healthy or like, have you tried to do that? Or is it just basically recipes that are easy to make? Or just naturally healthy. Well, you would be the the 
the uh, yeah but I think the biggest change that I've incorporated in this you know I guess it, it's a diabetes thing but it's also just overall health like I use an air fryer I don't fry with grease we recently took out red meat and I'm actually going to be going on a plant-based the mastering diabetes I don't know if you've heard of that book um, I'm gonna try to implement that into my life for a while. I probably won't be full-blown vegan, but I do want to do that for sure just to, you know, cut down on my insulin resistance and hopefully reverse PCOS. On your website, what recipes have you featured and like what are you hoping to feature? Oh man. Okay. So I think the most recent one that I did was these lettuce wraps that I love to make. They're basically like a P.F. Chang's copycat, but just a tad bit healthier. I love to do, try to figure out, it takes me a while until I can actually figure them out, but like Starbucks copycat recipes, but with lower sugar. And I have quite a few recipes on there. And actually, so um, I have a, a submission spot on the site for people to submit their recipes as well. And I've also like, you know, reached out to some people on Instagram because we have a lot of people in the DOC who cook their butt off. Um, and it looks so amazing. And then you look at the nutrition facts they put below and it's like, how? So, um, you know, I reached out to some people and asked if I can feature their recipes as well. Ah, I'm trying to think. I, I really can't even think of what other ones I have on there right now. Meatballs. I know I have these delicious meatballs by Ariana St. Jules. DeAndre, are there any recipes that Alexi has been able to kind of, I don't know, maybe replacements for the cooking that you grew up with or like like kind of surprised you like i feel like mac and cheese is like the big like the thing that people are trying to like make healthy the hardest and it doesn't always work Ma like a cauliflower mac and cheese and like trying to make fake cheese taste like real cheese is really hard so i don't know are there any recipes that have like really surprised you that like are really great but also like a lot healthier than you thought they would be and she did uh, a healthy thanksgiving one year it was really good she made and you made greens, you made... Uh, macaroni cups. Yes, you made macaroni cups. It was actually made from, it was like some cornbread. Oh, uh, I made cornbread with corn. Casserole or something. The sweet potato pie. Like, it was a healthy sweet potato pie. And where I'm from, you don't have a healthy sweet potato pie. You dump the whole bag of sugar <laughs> and mix it. You know what I'm saying? It was, actually, it was actually pretty good. Like, I almost top grandma. But yeah, oh, so, so, don't let your grandma listen to this I know. podcast. Well, yeah, so... Uh, no, that was that recipe right there. That's that was the, the at the the peak of all my memories concerning uh, her changes, far as the uh, making my soul food taste healthy or sink get healthy, whatever. So yeah, yeah, that that'll be it. And Lexi, do you have any of those recipes specifically that people have commented on about, or or that you like, or like that you were surprised by? Like, oh wow, this is actually a lot better than I thought it would be. Because, like, I, f I try to do that sometimes. I try to make healthier versions of things, and they end up being better than I thought they would be. Have you found that? Probably the banana pudding. Oh, that's the recipe that I have on there, <laughs> banana pudding. Banana pudding, and then, again, the sweet potato pie. My brother and my mom, like, everybody really likes my sweet potato pie. And actually, I haven't even put that recipe out. I probably should do that. But, yeah, those are the two that people seem to really enjoy. Yeah, sweet potato pie. I've I've had it a couple times, and it and that's interesting that you found a way to. So is it low carb or is it or lower carb? Yeah, I was gonna say it's not 
it's healthier than the, a regular sweet potato pie, but it's not actually like good for you. So you can't make it every day and say that you're, you know, eating you're, healthy. You're eating healthy, but, now, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> but it's just, it's a little bit less sugar. It's less sugar. Crust doesn't have as much carbs as a regular pie crust. I'm trying to think what else. The sweet potatoes. Most of the flavor actually, because people don't realize the sweet potatoes are actually like already pretty sweet. So really, that's that's the main thing, just sweet potatoes and the type of sugar, letting it actually sit for a while and instead of just like mixing it all together and sticking it in the oven and then like serving it to people, like actually let the sweet potatoes absorb some of the the flavor from your seasonings. And I think that's it. Nutmeg, a little bit of lemon juice, which I was shocked actually made a huge difference. You didn't even know mm. that, did you? yeah yeah it's great yeah Uh, food is one of those things that i feel like it's annoying that people it's like a lot of the misconceptions around type 1 diabetes or just diabetes in general revolve around food and we kind of and i personally don't like how much that is that's like that's true but also food does make a big part of type 1 management so it's like one of those misconceptions that's kind of true but like in an annoying way but yeah so like Trying to fig- yeah. but trying to figure out how to make f- like fun recipes better for you and just easier to manage with your type one is something that I feel like everybody is looking forward to. So that'd be great to watch your recipe section get bigger. Yeah. Um Oh man, why do I keep thinking out? Do you have bad memory? I I find that yeah, I do. Like I'll walk into rooms and forget okay. why I did. I forget know. why you went in there. I don't but know. There's if it's a just, few I'm... other diabetics I have talked to who have the same thing, and I wonder if it's related to diabetes because mine is really bad. <laughs> is it, DeAndre? <laughs> <laughs> Can you confirm that? He thinks that? I have selective memory. Uh, yeah, I think I think she, she do have selective memory. She remember what she want to remember, but when it comes to <laughs> uh, trying to do something, it's a split second and it'd be gone. It's it's because I was just about to say something and it just it's funny at times. Sometimes it's annoying, but most times it's funny. <laughs> yeah, so those were all my questions. Uh, did you guys uh, have anything you wanted to say? Like any final thoughts before we go? Or anything uh, coming up that you want to let people know about? So I just want to share with everybody to definitely be on the lookout for the end of November, beginning of December time frame. I'm thinking that that's when I'm going to have a really big sale for the Sugarless Society. My goal is to send two kids to a diabetes camp. So, you know, I really want to get rid of a lot of stuff before the summer because that's when the the camps usually are prior to that. So I'm going to have a big sale. Everything's going to be marked down some, but probably not all the way because we got to send these kids to camp. Um, But yeah, and if you guys could just share, share any, any information or any information that you find helpful that we are posting on the Sugarless Society's post or site or Instagram or my personal Instagram, the Divabetic, please reshare it and just let people know what we're trying to do. We're trying to send a kid to camp and also helping fund diabetes education and supplies for children in Africa. So those are our two big goals, and I just really want to bring more light to that. Yeah, great. And where can people find you on Instagram and online? At the Diva Medic, sorry, on Instagram. 
And I also have a YouTube channel, which I plan to be doing a lot more. And hopefully I'll start making some recipe videos. And that's the Diva Bedic also. Sugarless Society on Instagram and the sugarlesssociety.com for our actual website. All right. Thank you both so much for sitting down with me. Thank you so much for having us. All right. Bye. Bye. And that's the episode. But while I know we talked a lot about marriage in this episode, I think this conversation applies to all type 1, type 9 relationships. What Lexi and DeAndre have been able to figure out can certainly be applied to all those social relationships we're striving to create too. Because what I think it ultimately breaks down to is us type 1s of the world reminding ourselves that we don't have to do this all on our own. That the heaviness of type 1 doesn't have to just be ours. There are people in our lives that can and want to help us, even if they don't completely understand it. Thanks again so much for tuning in. If you'd like to support the show, be sure to subscribe to the podcast on whichever platform you listen to this from. Follow the Ask Me About My Type 1 Instagram page where you can get updates on episodes and check out the official Ask Me About My Type 1 merch store. You can also share on social media when you listen to the podcast or send your favorite episodes to friends, family, or just about anyone you think needs to learn a little bit more about what living with type 1 is actually like. All these things really do help the podcast get noticed and heard so that more type 1s and nuns like you can join in on the conversation. Till next week. Bye.